Welcome to Transcendent. I'm Joe, and I'm the dad. And I'm Raya, and I'm the daughter. Today, we are talking about how to prepare when you're getting ready to come out. That is going to be a great subject, and there's a lot to talk about. And, and it's really important that we think about preparing. You know, you wouldn't do anything else that is important without preparing. You wouldn't think to go and do a play or do um, music without preparing first and practicing. You wouldn't think to go play a sports game without preparing and practicing first. And yet in our relationships, oftentimes we think, oh, we got this. It's going to be all set. No, there are some practical things that we can do where we can take time beforehand to make sure when we have that conversation that it goes well. On the other hand, I can tell you that what a lot of people do, they think they're preparing because they're on their way over there and they think, well, let's see, this. I think this is what I'm going to say to Dad. And they're just thinking about it in their mind. But we're talking about a lot more than that. For example, let's move right into this. One of the things that I think a lot of people don't consider is that you really don't know how somebody will react. You think they're going to react one way, and many times you're surprised. Many times it's completely different than you thought it was. They can surprise you both ways. They sure can. I know there have been a lot of people that I thought, well, they're just not going to be bought in. They're going to have problems. They're going to think, oh, yeah, well... You know, you you should um, you should have tried harder, especially people that don't know the story and don't know the, the struggles and the difficult year that 2014 was. And they just hear it and they think this is just coming out of the blue. And and I thought some of those people, I thought, oh, they're not going to be on board. And then I was really, really surprised when I came out to have people that I barely talked to that all of a sudden said, hey. I want you to know I'm here for you. And in fact, one of the ones that I remember the most is one of my cousins. Uh, not We're not cousins by blood, but by through marriage. And um, she not only came out, but she said, um, you know, actually, uh, there's somebody else in the family that has struggled with similar things. And we had a really long conversation about it. And um, now she has a daughter who is also trans. Uh, so that's been a really, that's kind of come full circle on that. But to start off with, we had barely talked in, I don't know, decades, probably. I want to go back a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about negotiation. Because in reality, every con every conversation is a negotiation. And I think we have both learned some things. We listened to some negotiation types once it was a series of tapes and we listened to all of those things and you picked up some ideas from that and I picked up some ideas from that but one of the things I will tell you that I did for a long time ever since I had my business was when I was approaching somebody try to sell them something or to negotiate a purchase of something when I prepared I always gave them something to reject, or I always gave them something 
that looked so bad that what that what I want them really to choose was what they what they chose because the other thing looked so bad or way out of their reach. And that was one of the keys. And maybe you could use some of those same techniques when talking to someone. And there's a possibility that something like that might work. So I thought, well, I'll give you an example. I was going to negotiate with a company, and I went in there with three proposals. And proposal one was what I would call give them something to reject. They would look at it, uh, no, no, that's not anything I'm interested in. And then I would give them the proposal that I wanted them to look at and, a, and another proposal that was really what I would call pie in the sky. And they could choose any one of those three. And in a matter of speaking, it was kind of a forced choice. So if you're knowing the person you're going into and that you're talking about or talking to, you know what you think they're going to choose. And sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes I was wrong. I'd give them the pie in the sky thing and sometimes they'd take it. <laughs> which was terrific. And other times I wouldn't be able to get anywhere with them. And you're going to be the same way in a completely different format, in a completely different way. I have a letter that I'd like to read. It says, Dear Mom and Dad, and this is kind of right where you're at. Dear Mom and Dad, it has now been three months since I left for college. I've been remiss in writing, and I am very sorry for my thoughtlessness in not having written before. I will bring you up to date now. But before you read on, please sit down. You are not to read any further until you are sitting down. Okay? Well then, I'm not getting along pretty well now. Or I am getting along pretty well now. The skull fracture and the concussion I got when I jumped out of the window of my dormitory when it caught fire shortly after my arrival are pretty well healed now. I only spent two weeks in the hospital and now I can almost see normally and only get three headaches a day. Fortunately, the fire in the dormitory and my jump were witnessed by an attendant at the gas station near the dorm, and he was the one who called the fire department and the ambulance. He also visited me at the hospital, and since I had nowhere to live because of the burned-out dorm, he was kind enough to invite me to share his apartment with him. It's really a basement room, but it's kind of cute. He is a very fine boy, and we have fallen deeply in love and we're planning to get married. We haven't set the date yet, but it will, be, it will be sometime before my pregnancy begins to show. Yes, mother and dad, I am pregnant. I know how much you are looking forward to being grandparents, and I know you will welcome the baby and give it the same love and devotion and tender care that you gave me when I was a child. And the letter goes on. Now that I brought you up to date, I want to tell you that there was no dormitory fire. I did not have a concussion or skull fracture. I was not in the hospital, and I'm not pregnant. I am not engaged, and I uh, um, I do not have any diseases. However, I am getting a D in history and an F in science, and I wanted to frame these marks in the proper sp perspective. Your <laughs> loving daughter. Uh, was that my granddaughter that wrote that to you? <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, 
you always ask for more. And and how do you see that playing out in this when you're having a conversation here? What How do you see asking for more coming across in a coming out situation? Well, in a coming out situation, more is whatever you think goes beyond what they will accept. It's anything that you think would, uh, for example, <laughs> I'll just make this up. You're coming out and you're going to approach them and say, um, yes, well, uh, you know, Bob and I are, are really uh, in a nice relationship now and we'd like to live here. <laughs> That might be that might be pushing it a little bit. On the other hand, might work out just fine. <laughs> uh, it's hard to think through. I, I, you know, for like for me, when I came out, I don't know what I wasn't really asking for anything at that point. So it's hard for me to think of what I would be asking for more than that. But the point is, I I, I like the idea that you don't you don't hedge the point. You you don't. You don't hedge your story. You don't say, well, you know, I'm just looking for... No, you come out and you say, this is who I am. This is... And and I'm going to be holding my girlfriend's hand in public. And I want you to know she's going to be coming to uh, holidays with me. And she's going to... You just come out and do the whole thing. This is who I am now. That's exactly right. We were being a little foolish here. And the, the kinds of things we were saying. But in reality... There, it, there is true negotiation. There is negotiation that says, really, I'm just telling you this is what I am and this is what I intend to do. And and it, but you can do that in a in a softer way as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 are trying to save the relationship when you're coming out, and you don't know what's going to happen. In most cases. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, I, especially now. Now, that was not the case maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Right. But this is a very different time. And, and of course, you may be listening at a, a, a place, um, you know, with a very different culture. You might be listening outside of the country or across the, the world, and you might be in a place where it still is not as easy. If you... Uh, take time and you have invested in the relationship. It's very unlikely that's going that that relationship is going to break over something like this. But you have to have make sure that you, that you have invested in the relationship. And that's why we care so much about doing these sorts of things. But don't go in and assume that you know what they're going to say. Don't go in and assume mm-hmm. right off the bat that they're not going to accept me. You've had a lot of experience with that. <clears throat> and I know, for example... Friends of the family, very close friends of the family of ours that you knew. Uh, how did they react? In almost every case, they uh, reacted with acceptance. Uh, and in some cases, they embraced the whole concept. But usually it was at least reacting with acceptance. Mm-hmm. There was a very close uh, friend of ours who you always thought highly of. And pretty good guy. And when he heard about this, he reacted completely different than you thought. He told you what you shouldn't do. <laughs> right. He he um, he came into my office at that point, and I had an office I shared right next to you. And he came into my office, and he he 
um, told me that I had my head somewhere in, in a portion of my anatomy that it should not be. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and that that was really hard. It was uh, it was unasked for, and and that was just a, a that was a difficult. Then I came to you and I said how hard that was. Yeah. After yeah. after he said that, so it's not always going to go perfect. Uh, it, it it can't always go perfect. But by the same token, there were many, many more people that uh, that never said anything or that were completely accepting. And of course, we have the advantage too that we live in, uh, um, you know, a, a several generation removed a Norwegian community, and so they did a lot of that sort of, you know, small town uh, Norwegian acceptance where. They might be secretly kind of raising an eyebrow, but they're not going to say anything in public yeah, because mild that's not what yes. you do, <laughs> which I'm grateful for. Um, by and large, people sort of figure it is live and let live. And they might think, I don't understand your decision, but I'm not living your life. Well, you had a few friends, I can think three or four, when you were in high school that that you were you were very close <clears throat> three or four or maybe even five guys and you played a lot of car wars and things like that and you still get together now it's the four guys and you yeah, three there's three guys in me and one of them doesn't show up to a lot of stuff we have a hard time you know how that is when you get together with old friends and mm. one of them is always the one that's dragging his feet and uh, but one of those guys uh, of those two, two of the three were very, very accepting. And one of them was not very accepting at first. And the very first time that he saw me, uh, we sat down and it was at the, it was, he was volunteering at a pancake breakfast. And I came up afterwards after I had eaten and I said, Hey, uh, this is the first time that you've gotten to see me after the transition. And I just wanted to make sure I stopped up and I said, hi. And he didn't recognize who I was at first. And, and he as soon as he realized, oh, and it took him a moment, and I said, I'm, you know, I'd want to give you some space, and so I'm just going to go over here and sit down for a little bit, but if you want to come over and say hi, then that's fine. And about 10 minutes later, he did wander over, and he sat down across from me, and he said, did you have to do it? <laughs> and I said, I, I did. I, I really did. I was at the point where I was not functional anymore, and he said, okay, then. Uh, that that's what I wanted to hear. And he still was now never really, I wouldn't say that he was affirming, but he was accepting. Let's move on to point number two here then. Point number two, as you're thinking about preparing to have these conversations, remember you are in the driver's seat. You get to decide, you get to decide who knows what and when they know it. Yes, and when you think about that, and you, when we say you get to decide who knows what when, you might think, well, this one person is the only one I'm going to tell, but you know that that person is also the one that tells everybody, and you have to prepare for that as well. But in reality, uh, say uh, uh, maybe. Maybe you think maybe your dad would be more accepting first, and you might choose to tell your dad first. And 
then you wait and see what kind of reaction there is. Let them absorb it a little bit. Let them buy into being an ally. And then you go and approach mom, who you thought probably wouldn't be as accepting. And then you see, get the pleasant surprise that she is. Uh, or not, but we're just saying, you you are in the driver's seat, just like Raya says. Mm -hmm. You decide who knows what when. Maybe it's your twin sister. Maybe it's uh, your closest friend. Uh, but whoever it is, you're the one who decides. And when you pick that up, and it's the same way with me and us. Uh, here I am, the dad, and the dad and mom, and you came out, and we got to decide which of our friends is going to know what when. Uh, as a matter of fact, this uh, was how long ago now? 2015. So, yeah, uh, seven, seven years. years. So, seven years ago, you came out, and it took me a little while to start sharing it with family and friends. Um, and up until he died, my brother never knew because I chose not to share it with him because I was pretty confident the reaction would be really difficult to handle. Uh, but it, he lived many states away from us, too, and we were not close. But we just made that decision, and I still think it was the right one. I guess it never even occurred to me that he didn't know. Um, nope. You told me when he passed away, but I never even thought about the fact that he, he didn't know. People will try to tell you how you should do it. If the advice that they're giving you works for you, then take it. But if it doesn't sit right with you, don't feel compelled that you have to do it how they want to, want you to do it. When I was ready to come out, people said, you know, you should wait, take your time. Tell one person and then wait a little bit and then tell a few other people and then wait a little bit. Come out in certain places, but not others. Um, start dressing a little more feminine in certain places and just take your time and sort of slide into it. Well, once I made that decision, that is not who I am. You are not going to keep me once I, because for me, there was a gradual transition, but it was in the year and a half or the two years leading up to it. I was thinking, thinking, thinking about this day and night. So when I finally made the decision, there was no more thinking. I was not going to wait. I was going to get this out there and it was going to be dealt with. Well, That's we, how I am. Well, well, we were different and we kind of slid into it a little at a time and first uh, tell a few people, then a few more. And, you know, like I said, I didn't stand up and throw a happy dollar in for my rotary at right. my rotary club. I, and and I know there's other people where I sometimes have tried to push my narrative onto them. Hey, you know, you should come out and tell everyone. And then as soon as I realize, you know, what, I start to get some feedback from them and realize that's not the right fit for you. That was the right fit for me. You are in the driver's seat. You get to decide. Don't let anybody else tell you. So... There's a next point we want to talk about, and it's, what do you call it, communication without communicating or something like that? Point number three, 
um, is if you're not ready to have the conversation, you can have a conversation about the conversation. And they call this meta-communication. It's communicating about communicating. This is an important thing to do in any sort of relationship. Uh, if you are in a relationship with somebody where you're getting into arguments all the time, have a conversation at some time when you're not having arguments where you're going to pregame what you're going to do when you get into your next argument. You know, one of the things that happens every time we fight is that um, I have noticed that you that I like to clam up and then you get really frustrated that I clam up and you get louder and you get madder. And can we talk through what we can do to, before we're in that cycle to break that cycle? That's called metacommunication. When you're talking about how you talk. Now, you can do that same thing when you're when you're talking about coming out the person doesn't need to know that you're going to have a coming out conversation in order for you to have a conversation about how the two of you have difficult conversations when i came out to to my now ex-wife i had a conversation with her first because i wasn't ready I was too scared. And at this point, I didn't even know yet what my issue was. I didn't know that I was transgender yet. I just knew I was having some gender issues. And she had seen some struggles, but she had I, I had done a really good job of hiding them. And at this point, I realized I can't hide this any longer. But I was really, really, really just terrified to have the conversation, but I realized I can't, I can't keep, I can't keep having secrets. So I approached her one morning and I said, I need to have a really difficult conversation with you. And it's one, it's not nothing about you. I'm not frustrated with you. It's not anything about you. And it's not anything with me of anything that I did to you. But I'm, I have some issues that, of things that I'm struggling with, that I'm dealing with inside and I'm really scared to talk about it I don't know that I'm ready just yet but I want to know that when we do talk about it can can I have your commitment that that we're going to have this conversation well that we're going to continue to find ways to love each other and support one another through all of this and how difficult this all is and she said Yes, wow, I, I, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're going to come and talk to me about, but yes, I'll, I'll prepare to make sure that when we have the conversation that we have it well. And I said, it's kind of a big thing. It's as big as any life change that I have ever thought about. And she said, wow, okay. We used to say when I was on school board, uh, we want to have people on school board who can disagree without being disagreeable. And that's kind of what you're saying you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know, if you don't know how to have the conversation, you can sit down and say, look, I, I'm, there's some things that I'm really wrestling with and they're too personal for me to talk about. I'm just not ready. I'm not there just yet. But I just want your commitment that when we sit down and have that conversation, you're on my team. I, I just want to know we're on the same team together. So that is called meta communication. 
I like that. And that, like you said, it's something you can use in many situations. And it is really critical. It sure is. And that might be, if I suggest you write that down. Write it down now. Meta-communication. And remember it and think maybe that's the, that is the bridge to communication. My favorite resource on this is a book called Critical Conversations. I'm sorry, Crucial Conversations. And it's by a team of authors. I don't remember offhand, but if you just do a search for Crucial Conversations, it's a whole book about how do you sit down and have a difficult conversation? How do you make sure that everybody feels safe in the conversation and doesn't feel like they're going to be verbally attacked or that they're going to be put on the defensive? And you can get all kinds of tips and things on how to have that conversation and make sure that it goes well. So that's a lot to think about. We're really grateful to have you come by here and listening here to our podcast. We're really excited to finally be up and running with this puppy here. We've been planning this podcast for a long, long time. And so to finally be publishing and getting these out here, it's very exciting. We would love to have you tell a friend, uh, help get the word out. And if you know anybody that is um, LGBTQ or has family members that are or friends that are, especially if they're struggling in their relationships, we would really appreciate if you would pass the, the word on, let them know, tell your friends, I found this great podcast called Transcendent. Wherever you get your podcasts. And it's out there and we're excited about it. And you can you can go back and listen to some of the earlier ones or you can listen to the one right now. And we'd love your feedback. Send us an email, transcendent at gmail.com. And that is it. Thank you. And we're looking forward to hearing from you again next week. Play the song, Raya. Mm-hmm.